0: Welcome to Unfiltered, Real Church Planting Discussions. My name is Danny Parmalee. I work with Converge Church Planters in Mid-America.
1: And I'm Lee, uh, Lee Stevenson. I have the privilege of overseeing our church planting movement with Converge around the nation.
0: And uh, last episode, we talked about uh, some some key questions, some some critical questions that church planters are asking. And one of them was, uh, what will be my most difficult challenge? And uh, we got through with that episode and uh, talking about personal and financial and leadership ones, um, but we didn't get into specifics, and especially since this is called unfiltered, we wanted to take uh, an opportunity to kind of circle back and to share uh, even some different examples from our life. And I know, Lee, that you had kind of alluded uh, to one, but then you didn't go into it uh, as much. And now that we have a little bit more time for this episode, why don't you share what what were you thinking of when you were... uh
1: yeah, and I appreciate Danny. And as I'm, I'm talking, um, I, I can get so no, I can get so immersed with the conversation. If there's something that you want me to go after even deeper, um, let me know. Um, our, our journey really started um, right about the time we became two years old as a church, mm-hmm. and the the circumstances were unusual in the fact that we had met the first two years in a the movie theater. And in that movie theater, um, it had been a great location. I mean, just a lot was going well, but we outgrew it. And nothing was the way that you read it should be. Like, we had two services. Our services were 50 minutes long with only 10 minutes turnaround. Mm -hmm. So... um, uh, I we did it. You can do it, and the church grew. I mean, we used to advertise the fact that we have the shortest service in the city, so your friends have no excuse not to sit through it, so invite your friends. And, you know, we, we made it fun. But it, it came to the point space was just an issue. And so we had made the decision it's time to move the church. And um, we had an opening um, at a high school only a mile, maybe mile and a half down the street but it was on the other side of the freeway. And, and as you know, a lot of research has been done that you know freeways can become a natural barrier, mm-hmm. so can railroads and things of, of that sort. And it became true in our, our life as well. And anytime you have a change, um, people are gonna exit. I mean, that's just part of the, the experience that we had. And So there were some people that exited, we made the move, people were excited, gave us plenty of space. Um, we went from an auditorium that sat maybe 230, 240 chairs, if every chair was taken, Mm -hmm. to 1,300 chairs. Mm -hmm. And so it it swallowed us up in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Um, Changed the dynamics, went from two services to one service, and uh, finances began to tank. As our finances began to tank, um, I ended up going through some personal health challenges. And um, one of those, um, it it began um, just with some weird things happening, um, dental work. And teeth breaking and, and cost us $8,000 just to have two teeth replaced. Um, and then it it uh, I ended up um, going on a bike trip. And on the bike trip, um, had a great week, came home, decided, hey, let's take some of our leadership, mm-hmm. let's go bowling, have a, you know, just team unity. I collapsed on the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And um, in the midst of that, uh, We went to the orthopedic surgeon because I knew like my knee, something serious was wrong. I didn't know what it was. I had previously torn an ACL, um, had that reconstructed, went to the orthopedic, and the orthopedic um, basically said, Yeah, you need microfracture surgery, um, which is a pretty, I mean, it's not a huge, crazy major surgery, but um, there's enough detail. You know, I'd be out a few weeks and then I can get going. Um, He went in and did surgery, and my wife said he walked out of the OR with his eyes as big as saucers going, I have no idea what your husband did to his knee. Hmm. And uh, that began this long road of, I became a national case study, and uh, my doctor flew to Boston where two top orthopedics in the world took 10 cases. My case was one of those Mm -hmm. that that was chosen. They came up with kind of a weird, crazy sci-fi type of procedure to do. At the time I had it done, it had only been done to been mm-hmm. allowed in the United States for two years. Mm-hmm. And um, basically they harvested my stem cells um, for three months and uh, they covered the knee joint and pig tissue, injected the stem cells under that hoping it would regenerate mm-hmm. new cartilage, and then they relocated the front of my shin bone. So um, uh, the specific area where your patella tendon attaches to the front of the shin bone. They notched it out, they cut through the bone, Mm -hmm. moved it up and over and put two screws through it. Um, I was bedridden for weeks Mm -hmm. and um, had to be hooked up to what's called a passive motion machine that just slowly moves your leg back and forth for 12 hours a day. And um, um, out of that, so 12 weeks bedridden, um, I preached from a wheelchair for two months. Mm Um, had to walk with a special brace for a year and crutches and canes and all that. We get to the one-year mark and find out the surgery didn't work the way it was supposed wow. to and had a lot of questions like, what's mm-hmm. going on here? Um, ended up finally, um, through that process, got diagnosed with what was called SONC, spontaneous osteonecrosis of the knee, which means that the bone in the knee joint was literally dying. Mm-hmm. And um, it was serious enough that if the body didn't reverse itself, um, there was a there was a chance of amputation, um, and so we began interviewing amputees. I mean, we were at that place trying to understand this world that may become reality.
0: Um, Besides physical, if I can cut you off there, what's going through heart and mind? You know, spiritually and emotionally. Yeah. Um,
1: well, to make it more difficult, so the, the going through that the physical challenges and pain, you know, um, I was living with chronic pain at that point. Um, my body began to act weird. Um, I found myself wrestling with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself just really struggling. Can I keep going with this? Um, and, uh, I knew like, I just knew I, I wasn't processing life. Um, there was a, a somewhat, I wouldn't say a crisis of faith, but, it, you know, it, there was challenges to my faith. I'm like, God, we're two and a half years into this, like three years into this. What, what, what gives? Like, mm-hmm. we're doing what you've called us to do. We're being obedient. And so there were a lot of doubts mm-hmm. that, that were becoming reality. Um, and come to find out that um, out of that, I, I, I got to the moment where I I'd looked at Melissa, my wife, and I said, um, i am got to go to the doctor and get some other things checked. Let's do some mm-hmm. blood tests. If nothing shows up in the blood tests, then I'll go see a shrink mm-hmm. and, and to, to help me deal with what's going on here. Um, I was grieving. I mean, mm-hmm. I was grieving the fact that as a visionary, I had a very specific vision for what I thought parenting, fatherhood, mm-hmm. would look like. Um, I was an athlete. Been a, I was a college athlete. And even to this day, my kids have never seen me run or jump. And that was devastating. I always dreamed about teaching my kids how to ride a bike. I couldn't teach my kids to ride a bike. Um, and so I had to almost reprogram my mind to what parenthood would mm-hmm. would feel like for me. Um, but I, in that process, I got diagnosed with a hormone deficiency um, and went under treatment. And it wasn't until we moved to Orlando that I found out that my doctor had actually mistreated me. Mm-hmm. And that treatment had shut my pituitary gland off. And my... my Stats and challenges um, with the depression and things like that were related to this. But then it began a whole new gamut of, of challenges to the point that they began looking at cancer and brain tumors mm-hmm. and things of, of that sort. Um, we finally got it straightened out, but it's been um, years of this long drawn out physical battle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, more so, I mean, we, we talked about it. I mean, I've taken philosophy classes on it. But living it, our body is so much more connected to our spirit than we give mm-hmm. credit to. And the physical ailments I walked through were incredibly challenging me, too, on the spiritual side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 uh, understanding who God was in the midst of my pain, mm-hmm. um, wanting to know, did he care? Mm-hmm. Um, was he going to do something about this? Um, those were very relevant questions that, that I had to wrestle through. And um, the, the passage that God gave me in the midst of that um, really was Second Corinthians chapter 1. And, you know, to, to kind of sum it up where, you know, Paul is writing, he talks about the fact that in our pain is, is where we're comforted so that we can bring comfort to others in the midst of their pain. And, And it was like I was reading that, and it's a passage I've read over and over and over and over again, but for some reason God brought it to a new light and and enlightened me to it in a different way, and I came to realize that pain is actually a blessing in our lives Mm -hmm. and that it's in our pain that we come to understand God's comfort, and if we don't have pain, we're not going to experience that. And and I don't know about you, but I know for me, I, I want to know that side of who God is, And the only way to understand that side of God is you've got to walk through pain in order to experience his comfort. Mm -hmm. And so I I feel like God has taken me down that that journey um, of life. Now, in the midst of all the physical pain and the spiritual challenge, it was a financial strain Mm -hmm. on us. Um, I think in that about three-year gap, I had, I think we... I think I had five different surgeries in two and a half years. Um, and most of the, a lot of that, um, I mean, outside of insurance, we paid somewhere close to $25,000 mm-hmm. straight out of our pocket. Yeah. Um, as a church planner, we didn't yeah. have money. Mm-hmm. And, and I can remember us sitting there going, well, our goal is just pay off the next bill. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and we're trying not to take on extra debt. And mm-hmm. step by step was every day was a day of faith. Um, And somehow, you know, at the end of it, we got through it Mm -hmm. and never actually had any debt. And Mm -hmm. I I still to this day have no idea how it happened. You know, I I say God multiplied the loaves and the fish in our lives because I'm pretty good with numbers, and I've done the numbers, (laughs) and they don't make sense. Like I still don't to this day know how God made that work. Um, And so I I, I share that because I, I want guys to understand, like, it's okay. Pain is real. It happens. You're going to face obstacles. Everybody's going to be unique. Mm-hmm. But I find that everybody has a story of, mm-hmm. of what God has done and challenged. Um, why we were walking through this this challenge, um, I had one of my leaders kind of turn against me. Mm-hmm. And um, it was somebody that helped us plant the church. Um, he was now a new elder in in our church as we just had kind of formalized our elder board and and uh and the the it it got personal in the fact that it was all surrounding my recovery yeah um and and i'm thankful that i had a group of guys that loved me enough that stood up for me
0: because what was he asking you to step down because of your health are you no, saying but, or
1: but basically the argument began behind scenes when I wasn't there that um, I needed to use all my vacation time for my recovery mm-hmm. and um, and then basically I needed to be back or I wasn't going to get paid yeah. and um, um, the, the rest of the elders kind of challenged him mm-hmm. and it, it got to a point where it became contentious mm-hmm. um, even when I wasn't in the room and when I got back it, it, it didn't matter what was said yeah. um, I couldn't win um, and, uh, the Lord resolved it and they ended up leaving the church gracefully mm-hmm. through that, that process. But it, it felt very personal that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're down, you're getting kicked mm-hmm. and nobody yeah. likes to be kicked when you're, when right. you're down already. And
0: were, were you during that time, were you wondering yourself if you should hang it up or not?
1: I would say there were moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That there were moments that you're sitting there going, God, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how we're going to keep this going. Mm -hmm. Um, and that maybe, you know, I didn't even know if I'd walk Mm -hmm. again. Um, you're, you're preaching from a wheelchair and you're, Mm -hmm. you feel humiliated. Yeah. Partly because, I mean, my legs... It doesn't really fit the attractional model No, it doesn't. It (laughs) doesn't. My legs stuck up in front of me and everybody's (laughs) looking at the bottom of my shoe. And, um... You know, I, I graduated from the wheelchair to preaching from a rocking chair, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that just felt grandma-ish, <laughs> sitting up on the stage in a rocking chair preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed help getting out to the stage and back mm-hmm. from the stage. And you're just sitting there going, this is humiliating. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when you're in your young 30s Yeah. at that point, and And, you know, I'm dependent on everybody. I had to have somebody come babysit me at my house so my wife could go do get the groceries you know Mm -hmm. i mean i was that dependent upon other people and um god just he he taught me and met me in the midst of that and and i can tell you he's real i mean i i feel like i've walked through season of fire and and know he's there and and Mm -hmm. we still have a battle it's not over Mm -hmm. um i i know that i have more surgeries coming down the road i uh i'm now um uh, under constant doctor's care for the pituitary gland and, and the outcomes of that doctor's mm-hmm. treatment for me. And, um, but I know that God is gracious. I know that he is good, and mm-hmm. I have no reason to ever doubt that.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thanks for being willing to just kind of share that. And, yeah, there may, like, like you said, there may be some guys that are going through some stuff right now, and it may not be the exact same thing. It may not even be uh, physical uh, ailments, um, but to continue just to to lean into it and allow God to use it to to shape you. Yeah, and
1: I, I mean uh, the the disciplines helped me, mm-hmm. Danny. Um, in the midst of that, I I journaled mm-hmm. my emotions, um, and that was very freeing be, to be able to, to verbalize what was going on inside. Yeah. It was a, it was a way for me to get it released. I couldn't mm-hmm. exercise, mm-hmm. you know. So the things that I love to do to mm-hmm. to get that release, I couldn't do. So I had to learn some new habits. I had to learn some new, new disciplines. Um, I, I would encourage anybody that's out there, if you're, you're walking through, the, find somebody that loves you and cares for you. Mm-hmm. Um, find somebody that you can trust to, to speak truth in your life. Um, it, it may be a, a Christian counselor. Um, don't be ashamed of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, there, there are enough things going on, even chemically, that sometimes can get off. It's, it's okay to have some chemical help to get back where you need need to be, Um, but uh, I think if you can talk from a place of being real, allow your church to see the hurt, don't hide behind it. Yeah, that Um, was going to
0: be my next question is, um, well, one is is maybe somewhat superficial, but I'm just curious, did the church grow, decline, stay the same? That's just number-wise, but then tell me how the church... Um, learned through it or how you chose to, you know, not maybe always put on the, God's got a greater plan or, you know, or I'm in a wheelchair, but at least I'm not quadriplegic, you know, or whatever. Yeah,
1: um, that was a, uh, I'll I'll start on that side of things first. It it was, I wanted to be raw. I wanted to be authentic. I wanted people to see um, how you can, I felt like God put us in this position to help show people how to suffer well. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I I wanted to be an example of what suffering can look like um, and trusting God in the midst of that. And um, it was hard. I mean, there were days I had to go stand on stage. Mm -hmm. I was in incredible pain. And I'm like, God, I don't want to do this today. Mm -hmm. And God would show up. And he'd give me the strength. And and I'd just be real and be raw. And I know it touched people's lives. Mm -hmm. Um, I... uh, I had to lean on my team mm-hmm. um, and realize I couldn't do it all. And I had to drop the Superman syndrome and realize it's not about me. I need to be a team developer. I need to focus in on, and release these guys to lead at the level mm-hmm. that God has wired them to, to lead as, as well. Um, and and I, had to, I had to balance. I didn't want to come across as well as me. You know, I, I, I really fought. I didn't want to be an Eeyore. Um, I, I wanted to be real. I wanted to be authentic. I wanted people to see that we were living in pain. We were being challenged. But our faith in God was not superficial. Like, it was real. Mm-hmm. And um, in I, the church exploded. Um, wow. I mean, it, it's crazy. Um but the, the, we I still
0: grew, can't get the image out of my mind of you with the wheelchair, with the shoe. I've seen oh, the pictures. Yeah, that.
1: yeah. I mean, it was nuts. So it was nuts. So the, the church exploded. Um, we grew at an astounding rate. Um, and I sit there and go, okay, I, got, I, I need to just stay out of the way. Yeah. You know, it, it, uh, keep me out of the way on, on this. Um, but it, it, there's, it, it's not easy. I mean, I gained 40 pounds during that season because i i was stuck in a chair and um that that takes a and i had metabolic issues because of the hormone stuff
0: yeah
1: wow it's crazy it's crazy it's It's absolutely crazy and i i think my my word of advice again is um keep your disciplines don't shut down don't push people out allow people to help you yeah Um, people in our church did rise i mean i had home projects that had to be done, and people showed up and did them. I mean, they yeah. did our yard, they raked the gravel. I mean, they we hung wood, we gave us a new ceiling on our back porch. I mean, mm-hmm. people wanted an opportunity and to, to serve, and people God used them to, to yeah. serve us and help us during that time. People watched our kids. People brought us meals, and yeah. um, you know, I I uh, I'm very very thankful for that. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, d- talk to us, Danny, a little bit yeah. from your side of the story. I know that yeah. y- yours not the same as ours, but yeah. you guys have walked through some things, too, that were challenging yeah. and hard. And how, uh, Talk to us your yeah. story. How did you learn to overcome some of those things?
0: Yeah. So I, I think the one that uh, comes to mind that I had talked about in the previous um, episode just about a little bit, and I use the word leadership backlash, and maybe that's um, not the best descriptor of it. But basically what had happened is is that we were a young church. We were growing. We were maybe in um, about year four and still with not a lot of finances and resources. And yet uh, there was uh, more and more people that were coming to Christ. The church was growing, and I needed help, but I didn't have a budget to hire staff. So mm-hmm. we decided to um, kind of uh, do this internship slash, slash pastoral residency, and I found three guys that were um, ministry-bound, and uh, I made the mistake of giving them the title pastor, okay? So they had full-time jobs. They raised a little bit of financial support, um, and they didn't have the training or the skills to probably have or that the title or the maturity to have that title, um, but I didn't have a paycheck, so I gave him the title instead. And I thought, oh, that's a that's a good, you know. This is good, brilliant. This is <laughs> brilliant. Um, and uh, it became clear um, pr- pretty quickly on that this, this was created an issue. And part of it, honestly, wasn't even fair to them because people were saying, oh, well, you're a pastor, so you should be able to. You know, um, respond to me right away. You should be able to help me through this, and and they weren't able to. So then eventually that came came back to me, and then they were discouraged. I was I was unfairly upset at them because they couldn't do it, and yet they didn't have the time. So it was just this kind of a kind of a mess. Two mm-hmm. of them kind of uh, slowly came to their own realization. This is this is not going to work. So I'm going to kind of remove myself from the situation. Um, however, with the third person, um, they. Really felt ministry bound, and this was kind of their path. And their understanding was, this is my stepping stone. So even though we had we did do a time bound thing of saying, hey, that we're going to give us a two year shot. Their understanding was it was two years and or earlier than that. If we could also pay them, they could quit their other job, and that was kind of you know they would uh, be able to do ministry stuff. And I was recognizing that one, what they were offering, what they were bringing to the table, isn't actually what the church. Needed at that time, so the three kind of practitioners, two of them kind of left. The one that was left wasn't filling the gaps and the voids that we actually needed, and so for me, I had to wrestle with that decision of um, at the end of that two years, and we were at 18, We were at the eighteen-month mark to say, "Hey, this isn't going to work. We need to, you know, end your residency. There's not even going to be any financial support for you." and um, to be honest, we need to hire a completely different role and different position. Uh, so I wrestled with that a lot. I didn't have, um, this is the first time ever crossing this type of thing. Cause essentially it's like, you're kind of letting someone go, but you're kind of not, I don't know how they're going to respond to it. And I got, you know, coaching from a couple different areas, but I was so nervous, especially cause this person, um, had relational influence mm. within a church that's um, I don't remember our size exactly, I want to say a couple hundred, maybe 300, I don't think we were to the 400 mark uh, yet, but I'm thinking um, this actually could be the end of the church. I, I say no to this person who everybody loves because they're kind of the story, like, hey, they, you know, they came to Christ in the church, they're, you, yeah, you know, they're being disciple. Yeah. they're being raised up, and they have the pastor title, and, and people uh, loved him and loved his wife as well, and I'm thinking... Okay, I have this really, especially as I'm talking with other people, this real clarity um, that this person's pastoral internship is done, um, but I don't know how they're going to react to it. And um, so I still remember sitting there and having this discussion saying, we're at the 18-month part, we'll fulfill our 24 months, we'll continue to you know, pay you the small amount that we are there, um, but there's no longer going to be a position for you. And it just, like, exploded right there. Mm. And then it became a, like, all sorts of other other stuff and really hard where I really did think, again, like, all right, they could take half the church with them, you know, plant somewhere else, you know, badmouth me, all these different things. And, and it was hard. And I would say that there was probably the three to four months leading up to that point that was really hard as I'm having these discussions and not discussions with anyone else within the church was all outside people trying to kind of understand what to do. Um, but then of course, then once it, you know, once that decision was made and as they began to like tell people their, their understanding or their perspective of it and how that, you know, really, I don't want to say undermine my leadership, but kind of, you know, that, that, that maybe wasn't their absolute intention, but kind of like, you know, Sharing that they thought it was a wrong decision, that they that they felt misled in the whole thing, that you know, they had sacrificed so much, which is actually a true thing. Mm-hmm. They had sacrificed so much, but hey, this is what was best for the church at that time. And having a job at the church isn't is is not a right. You know, it, it it really is a it's a privilege and it's a calling, and it's just not not working out. Um and so and then to walk through that with other people that also didn't understand it, and me being young myself. So I wasn't even 30 years old yet. So I'm 20 something dealing with all that. And it was, it was, um, the word, um, for me to best describe is lonely. Mm. So even though the church is growing and lots of good things are happening, and I even have coaches and mentors, um, I've got, you know, my wife, but I just felt so lonely during that time. And I didn't know if this decision that I was making—I mean, I felt like this was right—but I was also thinking this could be the end. And if it's the end, was that really the right um, decision? Now, um, things uh, ended uh, ended ended great in the sense, or at least at least from from my perspective. They were still very hurt. They left the church. Um, no, no one actually from from the church left, which was amazing. Um, that. Yeah, you that, didn't that,
1: expect that at all. Yeah,
0: I, I didn't um, type of thing. But I think that there was um, maybe enough, I guess, respect or understanding from people in the church um, that, you know, that there wasn't that. And, and you know, probably as much as they were sharing their story and their perspective, it was more out of hurt than anything else. You know, there was not an accusation, you know, of like know anything like super unethical or anything like that but it was still it was hard it was it was a really really lonely time and I guess my biggest thing of learning through that um, was that when you have to make those hard decisions even if it feels really lonely in that time if, if it really is in line with God's word it's that it's that it's biblical and it's the right thing make the right decision you know and, and it probably was right even for their lives and, and, and the different places that, that God brought them. And certainly, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, it was the right decision for the church because right after that decision, a couple other key things kind of fell into place and really um, actually the church just actually took off after mm-hmm. that. So,
1: What do you think um, the Lord taught you in that season?
0: Yeah, I, I think it, it really was a um, faith and dependence. As much as all of us would say we don't want to get political, there's no doubt that in my mind I was starting to go, okay, well, if they leave and that couple goes with them and they're friends with them, that, that's politics. And in my own mind, even though it was clear, okay, this is not the right position for the uh, person or position for the church right now, they need to, this, this needs to come to an end, it's what I needed to do and to step into that and to be okay knowing that even there's going to be hurt and that people are going to say bad mm. things, you know, about you. And I, I I mean, I hate that. I hate when I hear other people say, oh, I was hurt by the church. And then it'd be like, now I'm that story. Now I'm that, you know, I'm the hurt. I'm the the person that did that. And, and that was hard for me too, because I did care uh, for, for him and really did have high hopes, you know, um, brought him with me to exponential, was hoping that, you know, he would be one of our church plants or that he would be one of our, our campus pastors, and so to, to watch all of that, and, and the story was really cool. It would have been one of those poster child stories to say, here's here's how it went. Yeah.
1: You know, and, so. and I think some of that's the price that you have to carry just being the leader. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that if somebody doesn't lead this, somebody else will. Yeah. And uh, God has called you to be the primary leader. That part of that comes those challenges, yeah. but also you have a target. Yeah. Both from a spiritual perspective, but also the yeah. personal side of things. Yeah. Um, any last words of advice that you would give somebody that is walking through maybe a personal financial or a leadership crisis yeah. right now? Um,
0: I think it's not to make decisions too quickly. Mm-hmm. So I, I were to think, you know, even in your situation, there's probably times where you could have said, like, I'm just going to write this letter of resignation and do this or I'm going to, you know, do that. Or even for me, if I did it, did it in a wrong sort of way. So I, I just think sometimes to slow down and to get some, some wise counsel from, especially from outside sources and maybe people that are a little disconnected you know, um, from the church, uh, that's, I think, a really helpful thing.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I like that. I, to piggyback on it, um, I think as a pioneering type of personality, like there's a grit factor that church planters have, um, which is a huge strength. It can become a weakness when you're walking through these things because you can alienate yourself because, you know, I can get through this. right. Um, I would encourage you not to do that. Right. you know it, it, um, I didn't realize, I think until after the fact how tired and worn out and, mm-hmm. and hurt I was um, down in my spirit. Mm-hmm. And it took good friends and, and close confidants to help me bring healing back into my life right. and and so um, I'm glad I didn't make any major quick, reaction decisions right. during that time and I think that's that's part of God's grace but um, if you're going through on those challenges right now my biggest advice is um, trust God mm-hmm. he, He's good mm-hmm. and um, even when the circumstances may que- cause you to question it yeah. and doubt may creep in he is who he is and mm-hmm. uh, he will establish his kingdom here yeah. and uh, that we can look forward to
0: yeah and I would even say with that too, um, that that doesn't mean that God would have you persevere in that in that position. You know what I mean? Because there are planters out there where maybe the wise counsel from outside um, truly is or God is speaking to you that, hey, you do need to transition out or to pass this along in order for your own health or for your family or for the health of yeah. of the church. So it's not just to say, because I know we, we pride ourselves in that a lot or the people that you're going to hear from are those that, you know, Overcame the adversity, but sometimes overcoming the adversity really is to change and transition. Which, which so. goes
1: back to the, the, you know, what we've heard said over and over and over again: God cares more about your character than yeah. He does your occupation, mm-hmm. and um, you have to come to a place do you really believe that, yeah, or, or not. Yeah. Um, well, this was uh, a great conversation, and uh, glad you joined us as we took some time to just talk about the ins and outs of crisis and obstacles and how they've affected us as, as leaders and, and our families, our lives, and uh, it's been great. And uh, we look forward to having you next time on our Unfiltered Conversation as we're going to explore models of church planting and different ways that you can go about it. Um, thanks for being with us, and until next time, keep it real.